why did I want to get drunk? Why did I want to step outside of my true self, if you will? Um, it's because I didn't feel like I was enough. I didn't feel like I was enough unless I um, was altered in some kind of way. And that's usually at the core of why a lot of people drink. A lot of people won't admit it. A lot of people will say, but I, I just like it. I just I just like it. But why? But why? You know, um, and so I think once you dive into that a little bit deeper, you're actually able to... Um, I think you free yourself a little bit because it's no longer so ambiguous, but there's still this thing that you need, but you're not really, you're not really being honest about why it is. That's Africa Brooke, and this is Time to Talk. Welcome to Time to Talk. My name is Alex Holmes, and here I speak to interesting people about mental health, emotional resilience, and ways we can show up for ourselves and others to lead a resilient life. This week, it's time to talk about sobriety and intentions with Africa Brooke. Africa is a globally recognized mindset coach, NLP practitioner, sobriety advocate, and explorer of the subconscious mind. In her work as a mindset coach, Africa uses her training in NLP and various other technologies to help coaches, entrepreneurs, change makers, and spiritual seekers overcome self-sabotage so that they can create fuller and more nourishing lives and businesses. I have a deep admiration for my guest today. She is an empowered woman, beautiful human and inspired friend. We sit down together this week and discuss what success and failure mean, but we also talk about her journey through sobriety and self-sabotage, as well as her understanding of what it means to live an intentional life. As you know, I work through my own coaching as an emotional resilience coach, and I work through the tenets of recovery, rebuilding and reconnecting. And recovery is something that is so important to me, um, especially as somebody who's trauma-informed. And when it, when we look at recovery and we think about it, we automatically think of the 12 steps, you know, for Alcoholics Anonymous. And it automatically draws me to Russell Brown's book, um, Recovery, and how he kind of utilizes the 12 steps to, to help um you know, go through his uh, battles with addiction. And I think that we need to start destigmatizing what addiction is and what addiction looks like, what addiction means. And um, Gabor Mate, he's a, um, a psychotherapist um, and he's written numerous books and he's so good. He, in one of his books, I forgot what the title is, I'll link it in the description, but in one of his books, he spoke about um, addiction being the, when you, I'm paraphrasing, but when you essentially are doing something that that causes pleasure that you enjoy doing, but when, but when it stops being pleasurable, you can't stop. And that is something that I find super interesting, especially when it comes to addiction and what we do and the way we do it, because we need to destigmatize the idea that addiction is simply for drugs and alcohol. It can appear in so many different forms. Um, there's people that are addicted to things such as porn, um, sugar, or caffeine. We have, um, you know, just even the light things like certain TV shows and um, certain drinks and certain attitudes and activities and things of that nature. So 
we need to really destigmatize what that means to be uh, an addict for something and how we can kind of make the steps to move away from that. And in our chat with Africa, um, we talk about her journey and you know, she got sober after seven relapses and it was the most courageous and fear-inducing thing she's ever done in her entire life. And we speak about it all today. We also look at the sabotaging nature that we, that we have when it comes to our own change and our own transformations as well. And you know here on this podcast, I'm so big on transformation and how we can make the steps and the choices to do better and be the best possible people that we can be, to show up for the world and be the, our best selves. And we're not going to 100% be our best selves all the time. It's not going to, we're not going to be able to align with our best selves at any given time, all the time. But at least we try. And as they say, God loves a trier. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like we try our best. And I think that that is the most important part of any any road to recovery, any road to healing, um, rebuilding and reconnecting with ourselves. So... That is Africa Brooke, and we will be talking to her shortly. But also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and share among as many people as you can. Let's get the word out there that here is the place for wholehearted, confident, and compassionate conversation. If you want to head over to my pre-order for my book, by the time this comes out, oh, by the time this comes out, my book will be out this week. So if you want to pre-order, uh, head over to alexhomes.co forward slash book and you can pre-order my daily book, Time to Talk, How Men Think About Love, Belonging and Connection. Um, it's available there. But before we get there, let's head over to a word from our sponsor. This episode of Time to Talk is brought to you by BetterHelp. When I first started going to therapy, it was one of the hardest things I could ever do. Because it was one of the most vulnerable things that you can ever do, sitting in front of somebody and sharing your deepest, darkest self and going through a process of healing, that wasn't the first part that was hard. The first part that was hard was finding a therapist. So I'm proud to say that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Note, it's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it's professional counselling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas, but we are in a pandemic and the more help we can get, the better. So visit betterhelp.com, time to talk 21. That's betterhelp.com forward slash time to talk 21 and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional and get 10% off your first month. The service is available worldwide, guys, so there's literally no excuses. It's that simple. Head over to betterhelp.com forward slash time to talk 21 and you can get 10% off today. Let them know I sent you BetterHelp. All right, now buckle up, stay encouraged, and be brave. Let's talk to Africa Brooke.
Welcome, Africa. Welcome. Such a grand name. Such a grand name. <laughs> Welcome, Africa. <laughs> Welcome, Africa. It's a time to talk. How are you doing today, my love? Mm. Um, before I get into that, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. We have been trying to do this since mm. last year. Mm-hmm. Since and you <laughs> sip your tea at the same time. That's right. We have been trying to do this for a while. And um, the have. fact that we have been able to get together like this makes me very happy. So thank you. Yeah. Um, You're and in terms of how I'm feeling, as I was saying before we started recording, I feel very calm. I feel very calm. And when the weather is a little bit um, on the darker side, if you will, when it's a little bit gray and rainy outside, I, I tend to feel even calmer. And um, so it's nice. But overall, I would say my word that would describe how I feel in this moment in time is calm. Um, yeah. Mm. And it's only because when we off air, just before we spoke, you talked about the weather and connecting to mood. And I said that I'm feeling in a pretty uplifting mood considering the weather. I get quite connected to how the weather is. If it's gloomy, I tend to feel a bit like not down, but subdued mm. in a sense, you mm. know. Um, and, but, and I love the rain. I have this app and I press and I play um, rain sounds when I go to bed. So, really? yeah. And it's like it's rain falling on a cabin. So it's kind of like you hear outside and it's just like, and I love it. Um, and that's the, that's the stuff that gets me to sleep. So, yeah, it's that kind of connection with, with the outside that, that, mm-hmm. that grounds me in a sense. And, um, and but it's beautiful to hear that you're feeling calm and you're yeah. feeling like resonant. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So what is the quote that you have for me today? The quote that's brought you mm-hmm. thus far? So the quote that I want to bring you to today is one that has, oh my goodness, it's, anyway, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's, there is no such thing as failure, only feedback. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what about that? What about that quote? It's so powerful. So it's a quote that actually comes from NLP, NLP being Neuro Linguistic Programming, um, which is something that has completely changed my life. But The reason why there is no such thing as failure, only feedback is so important for me because pretty much everything that I have done in my life from getting sober, from starting my business, from leaving the corporate world, from going all in despite not knowing anything about entrepreneurship, despite having so many money wounds, that quote has allowed me to actually give myself a chance. It's allowed me to start things and not expect everything to take off straight away. It's allowed me to look at everything as simply information instead of using things that don't go that well against myself. So for me, there is no such thing as failure, only feedback. It's something I actually think about every single day, every single day. Mm-hmm. That is a very important quote to be honest. Mm. And I think lately I've been thinking about this idea of failure and about how how we get so caught up in that as the as the binary, as the success and failure. And right. nothing can nothing there's no gray, nothing can lead you to success if you fail all this stuff. Um and then when you say when you're getting feedback it's it's also a question of who you're getting feedback from. Yes. Right? So yes. where's the feedback coming from? Yes. Yeah, so the feedback that I talk about there 
in the way that it has played out for me most of the time, it's not even really other people giving Mm -hmm. me the feedback. Mm -hmm. It's the situation that is giving me the feedback. So when something doesn't work out, let's say in business, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm a coach and I've been building my coaching practice for the past year and a half. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, when I wasn't getting the clients that I expected, even though I had a big following, it wasn't translating in terms Mm -hmm. of clients. Instead of me thinking, what is wrong with me? And personalizing it, I was thinking, hold on, what what's this situation trying to tell me? Am I trying to give my current audience something that they don't actually need? Do yeah. I need to place my focus elsewhere? Um, do I need to, instead of putting things out for free, decide what can become paid content, mm-hmm. right? So instead of looking at all of that as a, okay, now I have to pull the plug because I, I don't know what I'm doing. I just look at situations as feedback. So for me, feedback usually ends up not even being about other people. It's just about the situation itself and what the situation is trying to tell me. Amazing. Amazing. That is something that I've had to learn as well. And I hear that. Really? It's been, yeah, it's been really kind of like, I'm kind of at a point, I think I'm at the early stages of where you were and now yes. are. and like so I'm thinking like okay cool what can I do uh what kind of content can I produce for people yes. what do what do people want to hear what do they want to listen to what do they want right. to read what, how do they you know and all of that stuff so and that's kind of what the benefits of at the point of recording this lockdown has done for me it's kind of given me a lot of space to think about yes. stuff I've been kind of like really crowded with my thoughts about like all right what do I do here with this particular project and that particular project? And it's helping me really understand this idea of what failure is and kind of like putting it and shifting them both, um, shifting the mentality around it towards success, you know? Um, But yeah, so you mentioned neuro-linguistic programming and your Mm. coaching practice. So uh, I want to ask it like several things. Yes. But, NLP is something that I've I've looked into and I've kind of like got halfway through a course because um, I've got I've got a consistency issue. So that's my <laughs> I, I meant like so that's my own problem that I need to kind of deal with. But um, and I found it super interesting. But if you could tell people what um, NLP is and what spurs you to start um, start it and go into that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, oh my goodness, I love the fact that it's something that you are exploring Mm -hmm. even if you like you just said haven't finished the course or anything like that it's the kind of thing that just by immersing yourself in it even a tiny little bit it does shift your way of thinking Mm -hmm. so NLP as you said it's neuro-linguistic programming and the simplest way that I explain it to people is that it's the language of the mind Mm -hmm. it's really understanding how your mind operates on a programming level in terms of also thinking about how to actually change your neural pathways, how to actually break patterns in a, in a, in a sustainable way, instead of kind of the superficial way, which is what most self-development kind of is, neuro-linguistic programming really speaks to the mind, right? Um, so it's something that I came across about a year and a half ago, and I had been... Uh, I'm sure my my sobriety journey is something that we're going to go into, but yeah. I had been sober for a while and sobriety is something that I had tried before, but it had never seemed to actually stick. I relapsed more than once. I relapsed seven times. Mm-hmm. And when I finally got sober in 2016, 
I realized what was different mm. about that time is that something in my mind had actually changed. I had changed my way of thinking, even in the smallest way, just the way that I thought about myself, the way that mm. I thought about alcohol, the way that I um, thought about past situations, mm -hmm. the way that I started to observe my patterns, something had kind of changed. Um, and then I started to just immerse myself in the self-development world, world, just watching different speakers. Mm -hmm. I did a few courses here and there, but still everything seemed like it was very much on the surface. And I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more about the brain. I wanted, you know, the kind of more scientific side of things. I wanted to know more about language. And then through, um, I can't remember whether it would have been Tony Robbins Okay. or if it was another kind of huge figure that was talking about this thing called NLP. And then I just started doing a little bit of research. And at first it, it didn't seem, it didn't draw me in because it didn't seem that accessible. I guess the voices I was listening to were just a little bit stiff. So I, it, it's something that I was, you know, I was aware of, but I didn't kind of jump into it straight away. And then I discovered an incredible woman who ended up being my um, my first coach, an incredible black woman who was using these incredible techniques in her teachings online. And she was talking about how you can reframe your way of thinking. So for example, instead of um, saying to yourself, I can't make money, thinking about it as I have the capacity to make money, just things like that. She, just very seemingly simple things that can change so much. So I learned about reframing. I learned about being able to access memories that you can't remember consciously, which is something you can do in NLP. Um, being able to actually tap into your subconscious mind in an incredible way so you can be successful, whether it's personally successful, professionally successful. Um, and then after that, I, I was just I was just sucked in. And I think it's because, first of all, I was seeing someone who looked like me mm. being in this world. Um, I was seeing someone who was talking about kind of abstract concepts, but in a very accessible way. Mm. And, you know, someone who was telling me that you don't have to have a degree or a PhD in order to learn the language of the mind or the language of your brain. And... Yeah. And then I invested in that coach who took me on that journey even further. And I just started incorporating it into the way that I work and into the way that I coach. And the rest is kind of history. Now it's something that I use in my life um, without even realizing that I'm doing it because that's how powerful it is. It's mm. it's something that you can start to use on a daily basis. Yeah. So that's kind of how how I found it and NLP. how, you know, yeah. 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 So, okay, so before we get into actual the coaching side of it then, because the NLP stuff is mm. super interesting. So the way that we kind of um, reframe the way that we, that yes. we deal with, and I know that I, I, I personally know for myself that, there are days when I'm, when I'm venting, say to my friends or to my therapist, and I'm just like, ah, this is just, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't. I'm aware, it's like, it's so crazy because I'm aware of the linguistic um, binding that I put myself in. Mm. I'm also aware mm. that there's a, there's a rational side to me that says, okay, so now you've got that oil out of you. Let's reframe it. Let's reframe everything. Yes. So it's kind of like it's the way that it's, my programming kind of happens in reverse. It's a really weird kind of thing. So it kind of it does okay. offset some stuff with my friends and my friends. Just, 
but you're thinking like this I'm like okay so first of all I know what I'm doing <laughs> second of all <laughs> like like you need to kind of like take it easy with me you know what I mean I'm, I'm a bit of a complicated person now you know <laughs> um I wanted to speak about the sobriety because mm. that is the core thing one of the core things that has led you on to this into this world of NLP into the world of coaching um mm. and what was that like for you prior to 2016 when you finally kind of went sober yeah oh prior to <laughs> prior to 2016 oh my goodness why do well, I have a picture of you just like <laughs> staggering through the street <laughs> like, with shots and like a ball like was it that bad wow you you wouldn't be far off oh, okay. prior to 2016 I was a self-declared party girl and that was a firm part of my identity. Again, identity is a really important piece here because when you imprint certain characteristics and certain behaviors and certain patterns into your identity, it can be very difficult to break out of on a subconscious level, even mm. though consciously you want to. So I knew probably from 16 that the way that I drank, because I drank for the first time when I was 14, but I really mm. kind of started um, partying and taking it, taking it there when I was mm. 16. Um, and from very early on, I knew that the way that I drank and the way that I responded, the way that my body and my mind, my physicality responded to alcohol, there was nothing remotely normal about it. There was nothing remotely normal about the fact that I blacked out every single time that I drank, mm. the fact that I found it damn near impossible to have one drink. It was, mm. you know, I, I would be thinking about the next drink while I'm just taking the first sip of the first one. Mm. So it was this thing that kind of overtook my mind. And I didn't think there was anything wrong for a long time, as in anything so wrong for me to stop because I wasn't drinking every day. Mm. I wasn't even going out every weekend. It's just that when I did drink, it was always, always overboard. I always blacked out. I always binged. So I would say about a decade um, of that kind of drinking from the age of 14 to 24, that's that's how long alcohol was in my life for. And spiritually, I also knew that it was something that I... Um, I didn't want in my life, but it was very difficult for me to actually make the decision to remove it. And I tried to get sober a few times, uh, seven, <laughs> so more than a few, but mm. it was all strategy. It was mm. all strategy. And what I mean by that is I wasn't trying to get sober on an identity level, on a soul level. I was trying to get sober on a conscious level, on a strategic level. So saying things like, I'm not going to drink again. Um, saying things like, you know, downloading like a, an app that will tell me how many drinks I've had and when I should have water, you know, downloading mm. sober clocks so I could calculate. Mm. So it was all very strategic. On an identity level, I was still that person that wants to drink everything. I was still that person who didn't know when to leave. So I always felt trapped in my decision, even though, you know, getting sober is exactly what needed to happen. And by the time I got sober for what now is the last time at 24, it wasn't for any kind of profound reason, me choosing myself or wanting to go on a journey of self-development. No, it was because 
I was so sick of my own shit. Everyone else was sick of Africa's shit. I, I was losing everyone. I barely had had any friends. It was mm. my, oh, my, my poor boyfriend at the time and one other friend. I had no um, real relationship with my family. Um, everything around me was kind of falling apart a little bit. So in a way, I was forced to get sober. The universe and everything around me pushed me into that corner because that's that that was the last resort. But then the more that I started to honor that sobriety, the more that I started to see it as a choice, a lot of mindset shifting was also happening. Mm-hmm. The moment that I said to myself, I haven't given up drinking. This mm-hmm. is why language is so important. You will hear a lot of people say, um, I've given, oh, I've given up alcohol. I've given up. That makes you powerless. Even just that language. It just seems like they're just words, but that makes you powerless because giving up, there's no choice in there, right? Mm-hmm. So when I change my mind to say, no, I haven't given anything up. I choose not to drink, which I had never done. In any of those times before, I had never done that. It had always been the mindset of, I've given up alcohol. I've given up, I've given up, I've given up. So I was stripping power away from me every single time. But when I allowed myself to see choice, Mm -hmm. just through that language shift, I started to honor my sobriety even more. I started to feel like, actually, this is for me. It started out being for other people, if you will. Um, but actually it's for me now. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like I was saying before, I then started going on this journey of being like, who else thinks in this way? Just in terms of the mind and my, I had no idea what mindset really was, to be honest, at, about four years ago. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even anything. It, it just wasn't in my stream of consciousness at all. Um, but I started to get even more curious and to think, you know what, there must be more to it Mm. it can't just be a thing of um you remove alcohol or you make a choice and then that's that's kind of it there must be more that informs the decisions we make Mm. and the the options we don't allow ourselves to see and that's when i i was led into this work that is an amazing story so Mm. the thing because i think what like you know if we're working backwards just basically what you said about the the language around lifestyle change. Yes. Um, and the importance of knowing how to kind of, how to talk to yourself when it comes to mm. give, not giving up, when it comes to changing the way that we operate with certain activities and things. And um, I, when I, everybody asked me, how long has it been since you gave up meat? And I said, I stopped eating it in 2012 like I mean it's not necessarily not necessarily a give up because I know that I have the choice to go and to eat meat again like, there is a yeah. like you know I've always said that I've always said okay so when I get to like 75 or something um, and I, I and I feel like I'm feeling kind of reckless I might get a bargain bucket of KFC and eat the chicken <laughs> I have said this often and I've said but I've also said in the same stone that if I was to eat meat again I may get organic meat you know what I'm saying? Like I've always, yeah. I've always said this. So this idea of giving up, um, even with me with sugar as well, like I don't, like, you know, actively adding sugar to, mm-hmm. um, I just stopped. I said, yeah. I'm not gonna, gonna do that. And yes. so that's a very interesting way that we kind of look at, at, at sobriety. It's like you 
you know there's the, there's the idea of the the 12 step program and all of this but mm. I wanted to ask like what was the community around you you said that you didn't have many friends you said you had your boyfriend um mm-hmm. and your family relationships like so how so how did you how did you how did you solidify that yourself like obviously the spiritual side of you yeah you said like, yeah. this is what I'm going to do but the community mm. Instagram Instagram it always seems hilarious because Instagram oh my goodness it's been and even if you just take apart the fact that Instagram is what it is and just the name I had to go online to find that community I didn't have a sober friend there was so much shame woven around my experience anyway mm. being from an African home uh conserv- conservative home if you will um, and just some of the some of the things within the black culture that that are kind of wrapped around when it comes to addiction or mental health. Although I would like to think things are changing. Four years ago, it didn't feel safe for me to kind of um, put forward what was happening. I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone in my family. So on the day that I decided to get sober, I started my Instagram account. Um, I still use the same one to this day. If you were to ever scroll right down to the to the bottom everything is there from day one. Mm. And I had no intention of building any kind of global community. I had no intention of being a speaker, no intention of being a coach. I had no idea what coaching even was. I started that page because I needed help, because I needed other people to speak to. I needed to have my experience normalized in some kind of way. And I needed to know that there was someone else out there that understood. And I just used it as a journal. I just used that space as a journal. Anytime that I felt like I was going to drink, I would just write about it. Anytime that I had an incredible day because I was sober, I would write about it. Anytime, you know, when I went to my first dinner sober, I shared it on the first New Year's Eve and I would just put hashtags, you know, sober London, sobriety, recovery, And, you know, I just ended up finding community through that. And it was just incredible. And, you know, this is a time when sobriety wasn't um, trendy, if you will, as it is now. Although I'm, I'm I'm grateful that it's trendy. I think it's an amazing thing for sobriety to be trendy, for it to be a little bit cool. When someone says, I don't drink, that's amazing. But yeah. four years ago, it, w- it wasn't like that. So the community that I ended up finding was online. Offline, I didn't feel um, that there was a community that I could connect with. Mm. I've always had a tricky relationship with alcohol. I mean, I like alcohol. Um, yeah. I've, but I mean, but it's not like it's not in the sense of I couldn't live without it. Do you see what I mean? Like sometimes I just want a glass of wine. And that's just kind of where I'm at. But there, I do go through periodic times of just saying, I don't want to drink anymore in life. I just don't want that to happen. And then, I'll, I'll, then I won't drink for like a month or six weeks. Yeah. Pushing. I think the most I've not drank for is around eight. Um, and then I'll just like slowly kind of, you know, have it so often. So I, I regulate my control with um mm. with drink there and but it is but then but I feel like it's one of those things where you have to sit down and really question like what your what your intentions 
are for it yeah. and so what yeah. was your intention it was like it was what what were you regaining what were you mm. trying to build like where yeah it was so for me in the most basic times the intention was always to get drunk but mm. why did I want to get drunk why did I want to step outside of my true self if you will um it's because I didn't feel like I was enough I didn't feel like I was enough unless I um, was altered in some kind of way. And that's usually at the core of why a lot of people drink. A lot of people won't admit it. A lot of people will say, but I, I just like it. Mm. I just I just like it. But why? But why? You know? Um, and so I think once you dive into that a little bit deeper, you're actually able to... Um, I think you free yourself a little bit because it's no longer so ambiguous, but there's still this thing that you need, but you're not really, you're not really being honest about why it is. Here's a word from our partners this year. This year, my intention was to work closely with businesses who were doing their very best to enhance our wellness and keep us in the best shape, especially since we are in this damn lockdown again. When I endeavoured to find some, I didn't have to look too far as they'd been around me for a very long time so the first sponsor i want to introduce is herbie box i am a tea fiend i'm currently drinking one of their teas right now and i love tea um, and i love herbal teas but the guys over at herbie box have shared with me a discount code for you time to talk listeners to get 10 percent off of your one-time purchases on their two boxes immune and athene so a brief bit about their immune box. So immune is their signature seven day booster herbal blend. It nourishes the body, promotes calm and helps increase the body's natural defenses. So if you love aromatic tasting teas, this blend is for you. Find out why so many immune reviews mention more energy, more sleep, more calm, better digestion and general feelings of well-being. Their Athene box is for the brain. So this one is a lot more to do with focus to do with energy to do with power to do with mood and it just gives you a bit more sharpness and a way to relax so these are some of the reasons why people love Athene as well it kind of gives them an energy boost they are specially crafted herb vials which you get seven in a box and herby box have created this community event called a herbie week where you take the seven herbs in the vial and you just drink them throughout the week and it's a way to reset and rejuvenate the body outside of the month because you know a lot of the time we forget about what we're what we're ingesting and a lot of the stress that we have we kind of put away and it kind of goes into different parts of the body so it's good to have something that helps heal the inside as well as us kind of focusing on our external especially in this new year everyone's going to be wanting to get fit get better do all that stuff but we need to really focus on what's going inside us okay so if you want 10 percent off of your one-time purchase at herbie box head over to herbiebox.com that's h-e-r-b-y box.com and at checkout use discount code alex holmes 10 so that's alex holmes one zero and tell them i sent you and trust me you won't go wrong with your seven day herbal blend and because as well and I don't think it's just about self-responsibility. I'm going to come back to what you asked me, but I, I think it's also not just about self-responsibility as in the individual needs to have control. 
we need to understand the system that we live in. We need to understand the role that advertising plays. Wine is romanticized. Oh my goodness, the way that I romanticized wine was just just having that crisp glass of white wine and it's just chilled and it has the drops just sliding down the, you know, the curve of the glass, <laughs> right? <laughs> so many romantic ideas about it. Yeah. But I knew how it always ends. You know how it always ends. And, you know, the romantic idea, um, the reality never quite matches up the romantic idea you have of that glass of wine or going out with your friends for that drink. You know, and I always ask people, if it wasn't for the effects that alcohol gives you, would you actually drink it? I'm sure, I'm sure you wouldn't because most of it doesn't fucking taste great. So it can't, right? But no one wants to really admit that. Yeah. So I think there's, so I think there's a, there's a lot that's, there that can be looked at, right? Yeah. <laughs> I said that, you know, and that was one of the, and that was one of my, oh my gosh, there is lightning. There is lightning. Um, really? Yeah, where I am anyway, I don't. So, the gods are speaking. Um, <laughs> so um, one of the things that I've always said, because, I don't like the idea of um, the feeling after, so the hangover. Everybody, again, it's the romanticization. They glamorize the hangover. I'm like, oh, I'm so hungover. Oh, my God, I need to eat it. Let's go out. <laughs> so I was like, I hate the hangover. Like, I never used to, used to get hangover because the, the, the way that I drank wasn't necessarily so excessive. And, I could, and my, body, yeah. my body was always quite good at repairing um yeah. the damage as as it were and I, all i all it took for me was to have a good meal and i'll be fine like forever good. yeah however i didn't like the, the day i didn't like the feeling of um not necessarily not being in control of my capacities not being in not, yeah. not being aware time slows down your the, the way that you react to certain things and i didn't want to i didn't like doing that i didn't like the fact that when you go to a social event um mm. you know you're kind of encouraged to drink so that you are so that you are then more socially accepted and you're mm. all of this stuff and it mm -hmm. fed into a lot of insecurity that i had about yeah. um i had already misdiagnosed myself as an extrovert which i was just and mm. like i was already like oh my god like i need to be more 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 right it's that right. idea of what you said about are we enough so when did you kind of you know, like once you realize, you know, that it was like it was that question about you know not feeling like you were enough. How did you? What was the journey to kind of getting to the point of saying that you're enough? Because there's the there is mm. the there's the stopping drinking. There's the seven relapses. Then there's the stopping drinking. I mean, like, right, that's it. Yeah. Now it's the the the, the work then starts from 2016, doesn't it? So what was that mm. like? Yes, and you know what it was. I always think of it as me seeing myself for the first time ever in my mm. life since being, um, since probably being a preteen. I would say that was the first time that I really saw myself. And actually, even though in terms of body and in being a human being, I was 24, I actually felt like I was 16 again. I felt like, because 16 was when I, or maybe it was 15, 15 or 16 is when I really started going at it with alcohol and drugs, mm. right? So 
I feel like that's when I had kind of stopped developing mentally. So even though I was 24, I felt like I was young again. I felt like I was in my teens again. And that's what actually happens when you um, experience substance abuse or you experience any kind of trauma. Sometimes you can feel like you're stuck almost at a certain age because you haven't had the opportunity to, to develop. So for me, from 2016, it was getting to know myself all over again in the most basic ways, Alex, in in, in ways of saying, actually, what, what do I even like to do? Mm-hmm. When I'm not drinking and partying and meeting up with people in the night or finding my way back home in the morning or not hungover or experiencing a come down, mm. what do I actually like to do? And what, what is fun to me? Because I had made myself believe um, that, that I was extroverted when actually all I really want is solitude. But I didn't think it was okay to want solitude. I didn't, yeah, um, I, yeah right. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was, it was okay to be myself. So now I had to get to know myself all over again. And some of the things that I would do was um, take myself to my favorite gallery, the White Cube in Bermondsey, and I'll just walk and I would take myself to the cinema. I had never, ever been anywhere really by myself, especially doing kind of normal, quote unquote, normal things. Um, so I would take myself to the cinema and I realized, oh, my goodness, it didn't even feel weird. Mm. This this was home. This feels good. And I would take myself to eat which is something that I never really did that much. And I didn't even realize it because I was drinking so much. I never met people for dinner or for lunch or to do normal things. Mm. It would always be to drink. It would always be at a bar or at a party or someone's house. Always, I didn't give myself a chance to do the normal things. So that's kind of how I started to really feel enough in terms of doing. Um, and in terms of kind of the the inner stuff, which is really the foundation, it was me forgiving myself for a lot of the things that I've done in the past. Because in that time where I was in an unconscious state, I was doing very unconscious things. I was, and I don't even blame alcohol for that. I think my shadow was exposed because of alcohol. I don't think alcohol was to blame. Of course, alcohol really is a drug. So it does enhance certain things. It will, you know, I I completely understand that. But there was a lot of wounding there anyway, with or without the alcohol. Um, a lot of a tendency to manipulate people, to mm-hmm. lie to people, to make myself seem like I was something I, I, you know, I wasn't just to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And all of those things kind of started to take shape way before I started drinking. Yeah. Um, so forgiving myself was a big part of that feeling enough, being like, you know what, Africa, this was you then. And you were doing the best you could, whether it looks like it or not, you were doing the best you could with what you had, right? That was your little inner child. You need to forgive yourself. So for me, forgiveness was a very big thing. And then allowing myself to have those experiences of joy and pleasure, those tiny little seemingly small things um, that I felt I couldn't really do before. Mm. Mm. What are some of the ways that someone can bark upon those steps to change, I guess? Um, 
it doesn't have to be alcohol itself, but how can, what was the, what's, let's, what are some of the initial things that people can do um, to kind of, to put themselves on that journey? Mm. Okay, this is, um, it's going to be a little bit of an abstract answer, but I think it's going to land where it needs to with, with the people who need it. I would say the very first thing you need to do, it's not a top tip or a three ways to, you need to know your shadow. And by that, I mean, you need to know the darkness within you. You need to look at yourself um, in ways that make, <laughs> in ways that make you very uncomfortable. And I laugh because this is just, that's how it is. That's how it is. You cannot, we hear so much about doing the work, doing the work, doing the work. But what does that and mean? It, yeah. <laughs> what does it mean? And doing the work can seem like it's a, you know, we're all committed to doing the work. But in order to actually make change and in order to actually experience the beauty within yourself and to start that journey of feeling like you're enough, mm -hmm. you need to confront your darkness. And when I say confront your darkness, I don't mean in an aggressive way to beat these things out of yourself, but you need to confront your darkness in a very loving way. You need to actually look at what has led you to this point. You need to be honest about who you are. You need to be honest about your patterns. You need to be honest about the things that you need to take responsibility for that you haven't yet. Maybe the things that make you feel a little bit of shame about yourself. You can actually write them down. You can actually write them down. This is something that I have done many times and not because anyone else is going to see it, not because you have to share it, but to actually start to, start to have a look at yourself in a different way. And then you need to start that journey of forgiving yourself. Again, that can also be a very abstract thing. There are so many ways in which you can do that, whether it's um, writing a letter to your inner child. So if you were to think of an age where you feel like a lot of the wounding in your life started, or just an age that is very significant to you, or an age where you feel like you caused a lot of trouble or experienced a lot of hurt, you can just write a letter to that aspect of yourself and forgive yourself for it and just burn it or just rip it up. And, and that can be a really abstract way that actually speaks to your subconscious mind because it bypasses logic, right? It bypasses the conscious mind. It's a really subconscious process you can take yourself through. But um, to start that journey, there is not a singular answer, but for me and what has worked for me, it's first understanding your shadow. So important, especially what you said about the, the self-forgiveness mm. and exploring that journey to it. Yes. That is something that you are consistently doing, consistently, in my experience anyway, consistently mm. learning how to forgive yourself for reactions, for yes. how you spoke to yourself, how, you know, like holding on to things that you know are like harming you and then mm -hmm. kind of saying look all right let's you need to forgiving yourself for it and then kind of making the steps to do better um yeah. or just kind of like improve upon improve upon that and that's and that's those are those are good places to start those are good places to yeah. start especially with yeah. the whole with the letter writing um i did that once um yeah and you know it was bonfire night and i wrote like I got my I got my whole family to write down after, like their intentions, affirmations, and like letter. Yeah. And we just like and I just threw it into the fire because we were like mm. we were sitting outside, we threw it into the fire. And it was so funny because my dad came back to me like 
a week later, a week later or two weeks later. Mm. I was like, you know, when we put those things into the fire, and I was like, yeah. And he said, because um, I'm always a bit like, oh, yeah. um, and he was like, there must, there might have been something to it, mm. and that was it. And I was like, mm. interesting, interesting, right, right. And it's a, it's a release. Mm. It's a, it's a release of some sort. Mm. And actually, getting the thoughts down on paper for me personally, like I'm very, I'm very pen paper ideas yes. thinking down on page before it gets to typing um because that's just kind of the that's just my process and yeah, once I get you. the yeah once I get the 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 truth down and kind of get it out of me and so the writing of the letter the journals the kind of all those things mm. getting it out and putting it into the into the ether and then kind mm. of like releasing it from you um it's a healthy it's a healthy way to do it so I say yeah definitely if anybody listening who it's connected with that um that message i'd say like that is the that is something that yeah. you should definitely look at yeah and um, to that i'm just going to add because there might be someone listening to this and, and thinking like it's a little bit cringe okay because sometimes when people hear these things they might feel oh but it's a little bit cringe or to but to tell myself i love myself or to write to myself and and say all these things you know you know it's a little bit uh I would say that's absolutely fine if you cringe you will get over it I always say that cringe is not going to kill you Mm. what you actually need to ask yourself is why do I find it okay to talk to myself like I'm a piece of shit why do I find it okay to berate myself when I don't get things right why do I find it okay to to crucify myself for things that I have done in the past. Mm. But I don't find it, um, I find that it's a waste of time to forgive myself. I find mm. that it's a waste of time to say I love myself. I find that it's a waste of time to honor myself. Because we find it so easy to just allow the inner roommate to just berate us all day, all yeah. day. But we're so used to it that when love enters the room, when self-kindness enters the room, we reject it. There's no time. You know, I, oh. I don't have time to write that letter. I have things to do. But we have that running commentary, right? So just by allowing yourself to to ask yourself those questions, why do I find it okay to accept this from myself, but I won't do this? Yeah. That can also show you what work needs to be done. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've been writing about recently. Um, don't know where it's going to go, but I've been writing about it. And how we don't encourage, how we're not encouraged to talk to ourselves about, I love ourselves and it's just mm. not, and the thing is, and like, and you know, and the thing is I struggle as, as, a, as a man in this space in particular, speaking about yeah. those kind of things is very difficult. But in general, it's this whole idea of that it's woo woo, people don't talk about shouldn't be doing that stuff. And you know, it's this very abstract idea. And I look at it and I think to myself, it's a fundamental thing. Yes. You can, you know, we, like, we can't wholeheartedly love other people in the way that we want them do we want to love them if we don't love ourselves in that way too mm-hmm. so if you're not even letting love self-love or self kindness enter the room and you'll say hey, 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 hey. <laughs> you stop right there <laughs> don't get in don't come in here don't come further than 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 the threshold 
okay? And I was like, self-hate is hating. It's saying, don't do it. Because they're threatened by the way, they're threatened by who you are. They're threatened by how that, how that will change and how that will change you. And so that is super important. So then the next question I have then is how have you taken all of this and then kind of pushed it into your coaching? Um, if you're going to rally it back around to mm-hmm. the kind of people that you are helping and the, and the, and yeah. the support you're giving, um, how has that been for you? Like just generally helping helping yeah. so many people. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. So the way that my life my life experience has pretty much fueled my coaching and everything that I do in my coaching and speaking work um, at the core of it is my sobriety journey understanding where I was sabotaging myself, Mm -hmm. um, being able to identify my patterns and actually have the strategies um, to to make sure that even if my patterns show up, I'm now equipped, right? Because Mm -hmm. the, so I specialize in Mm self-sabotage. That's what I specialize in, in coaching. So I look at self-sabotage in a very personal way. So maybe you're sabotaging your relationships, Mm -hmm. um, you're sabotaging your own personal happiness, your own definition of personal success. But I also look at it in a very professional way because I'm a business coach. So how is self-sabotage showing up in your business? How is it showing up in your journey as a speaker or wanting to build a successful brand or wanting Mm -hmm. to, et cetera, whatever it might be. But self-sabotage is at the core of everything that I do and only because I have seen it so well and I have studied it so well I'm able to help people so that's Mm -hmm. why I say my life experience really is at the core of it and then of course it's harnessing um, the skills that I have it's investing in more knowledge working with other experts that can help me gain insights on um, on things on a more scientific level, on a more brain-based level, but also really understanding how business works. Um, and because I have two companies myself, I work with entrepreneurs. So from being an entrepreneur myself, I'm able to kind of add my experiences into that. But essentially, in the way that I coach, it's I focus on self-sabotage. Has this kind of has this impacted um, the Beyond the Self podcast? How is that? How is how is how's the Beyond the Self podcast kind of? How's that doing? Yes, yes. Oh, I love it. I love it mm. so much. Um, I, was so, I was so happy when you when you uh, when you launched it and you announced it. I was really? like, oh my god, this is just something, something we need. It's what we yes. need. <laughs> yes. So tell yes. people a bit about the the Beyond the Self podcast. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So Beyond the Self is a podcast that I I actually started kind of allowing it to flow within me. Last year sometime, because I wanted to leave social media and I was thinking of a way to, (laughs) I I had decided um, last year that I was going to leave social media entirely in 2020, but the pandemic changed a lot of things. So I was thinking of of a way to kind of allow my voice to live and for a way for my voice to kind of not be controlled so much by a single platform mm. and because i because i just love to speak i always have a lot of thoughts running through my mind and i like sharing those thoughts in a way that is kind of um not restricted mm. um so i thought you know what podcasting seems like the best the best way to do this and a lot of people in my community were asking me about it but Beyond the Self was what I ended up creating. And it's called Beyond the Self because in the way that I think and in the conversations that I have, 
I think there's so much more than what we see on the surface. I think we are a very ego um, driven society, a very ego driven people. And I don't think ego is a bad thing. I think there's a place for healthy ego, but I think sometimes we find it difficult to go beyond the self. It's also about understanding that um, some of the things we guilt ourselves about, it's not just about self-responsibility. There are so many other things at play, the way you've been raised, how you've been conditioned by your environment, um, the trauma that you have been through in your life, the patterns that exist within you, right? Um, and through my podcast, I just, I speak about all of the things. I just talk about things like limiting beliefs. I talk about self-sabotage. I talk about, you know, the kind of abstract and practical ways we can start mm. working through these things. And yeah, and I love it. I love it. Mm. Mm. It's this space and very interesting about what you said about social media. I mean, yes, this time last year, I because I, I always reflect on it because 2019, I came off socials between March and September. Okay, all of them, everything. Wow, <laughs> didn't want it, didn't want it to be anywhere near it. I needed, I was going through a massive hurt, didn't want to mm. be online expressing that. And so, and I needed time to heal and I needed time to mm. reconnect with myself, reconnect with my friends, with my family and whatnot. And it was the most freeing and the most kind of exp expressive kind of thing, it's just the expressive space yeah. to kind of be in, just to kind of like, you know, whenever I went out, because it was <laughs> honestly, anything looks different to this year, you know, because like last year was like the best summer ever because there was no summer this year, you know. <laughs> Right. Any picture, I know it's crazy. Any picture I took, I put it, I saved it into a into a folder in my phone, and I called yeah. it social media hiatus. And I kind of like, mm. and I had, I was going through that folder, and so I deeply resonate with where you're yeah. coming from with that understanding of just saying, look, um, we want to, you know, take the take a step back and kind of like retune where yeah. the, where the energy is going and where that looks like, and right. you know. And then that is that that's like it's important. And it speeds back to kind of what we were saying about understanding like what value we were kind of mm. giving, you know. I mean, I'm refining all of that. Um yeah. so that's so that's that's something. And um as a final few questions, just to kind of like sum up this amazing conversation. I wish I had more time. But um it's gone by so quickly. It's gone by so quickly, but like, so uh, what, like, what are your experiences with, like, you know, like mental health being and, you know, like obviously um, addiction mm. um, and, and the like, but, you know, in the, like, in the process since how, when, like, what has, what have, you know, especially during this lockdown and this pandemic and whatnot, mm. how has your mental health been and what has your experiences with it been anyway? Yeah. Um, such a good question. Um, in this pandemic, my mental health has actually been great in this pandemic. And you know what? Um, apart from the obvious horror and pain that we have seen all over the world, and a lot of my family are in um, the medical field, a lot of my family are nurses. So a mm. lot of the things that has been happening, I, it's, been, it's been very close to home. Um, but in terms of kind of being on lockdown, I, I'm a homebody. I have been at home 
even before lockdown, I was. <laughs> are you the same? This is me. I was like, everybody has just got here. I've been, at, I've been at home, you know. Welcome. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just got here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so so in terms of, you know, solitude and all of that stuff, it's it's just felt like, you know, mm. it's I've I've quite enjoyed it. I've mm. quite enjoyed it. Um and I have been with my thoughts quite a lot. And you know what? I'm so happy that this happened and I am sober. And this has been happening yes. while I am sober. Yes. Because my mental health is something that I have worked on so hard for the past four years. Mm. And I think in moments like this, I'm really shown just how much work I've done in terms mm. of being able to um, being able to kind of self-soothe when I feel anxious, being able to not over-identify with my anxiety or if I'm experiencing moments of depression, mm. which I have kind of now and again in this time, but for, uh, for other different reasons. But just being able to have that toolbox that I've kind of been adding at to for the past four years has really helped me in this time. So it does make me very happy. And I feel very proud of myself when I can say I've been through the pandemic um, sober and able to look after myself mentally because everything that I have done for the past four years has in a way prepared me for this. And, you know, I'm also really happy that I am at a point in my life where I am comfortable in my own space because when I was still drinking and, and whatever else, I didn't feel like I could be by myself because then I would have to think, then I would have to um, face the the guilt that I feel or the resentment that I feel and I didn't know what to do with it. So my mental health was always in such a bad place, which would then create that cycle of then mm. needing to party, needing to go out as a distraction. Mm. Yeah. But now I can experience um, all of this turmoil happening and also feel it and of course, with the Black uprising and everything that has been happening, it's been heavy. Mm. It has been heavy at so many points. But the fact that I'm able to feel that sadness and to soothe myself at the mm. same time, that that to me is beautiful. So it's been, you know, I've been oscillating between so many things. But at the core, I've been, I've been able to look after myself. Uh, absolutely. Um especially in this can lockdown. I, can I ask how yours has been? Oh, well? yeah, yeah, sure. Um, up and down. Up and down. In this lockdown, I, Mariah Carey wall slide, wall slid. I've, bro I've yes. broken. I've broken. <laughs> I have done, you know, the Pharrell, I'm happy dance. Yes. Up and down the stairs. Yeah. I have, you know, I've done all of the emotions. Man's tired. Like, I'm literally <laughs> just like, I've done all the emotions. I really have. And for me, it's, it's, it's similar to what you said about, I've been, I've like, since 2018, really, mm. and really kind of like, really understanding my own personal traumas and mm. figuring out again reconnecting redefining restructuring who I am all of this stuff doing the work dealing with the shadow all of these things yeah having to move all the way through that and 
you know get to this point and you know it's still hard there are still there are days mm-hmm. that I'm still struggling I'm very difficult and hard on myself I yeah. um and I'm I'm very kind of like relentless when it comes to kind of like pushing me because I'm ambitious mm. but it's um it's a testament to kind of look at myself sometimes and think you know I've done, I'm doing okay, I'm doing fine. And having to sit there and be like, yeah. oh, I'm doing fine, I'm doing okay, I'm doing all right. And there's days where I'm just lying on my bed and just thinking, I've got to go and do this episode. I've got to go and write this X, Y, and Z yeah. because you're not going to. And I just have to, it's about knowing when the voice creeps up and knowing how to quieten it and just be mm-hmm. like, all right, shush now. You're taking right. up the space in the house and not letting yourself kindness in. <laughs> Go to the room, stay over there. <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're just making noise now, move. So that's kind of like where I've had to, I've had to really kind of like make it into these pers- these people because it's like, yeah. cause then you can yeah. kind of be like, look, like, I, you know, it's easy to talk and confront. So right. my mental health has been, it's been good. It's been good. And it's, it's been, I want to say, normal for me. Like it's, yeah. there are days where it's, fine there are days where it's great and there are days where I'm just in I'm in a really low low place yeah so yeah and I, and I've been sleeping and when I do sleep better obviously that helps and good. You know, yeah so it's all of that but thank you for asking of course so I have last few little questions these are just little mm-hmm. little round note questions um that I that I always find interesting which one to ask you Okay. What Disney character or cartoon character were you inexplicably afraid of <laughs> as a kid? I always thought, yeah. When, Disney character of? or cartoon which you are inexplicably afraid of? Inexplicably. Yeah, there was just no, um, there's no reason. Nothing. It's just this is this is, this is Yuda Shook of this this drawing. None. You're not afraid of any? Nope. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> no, no, um, when it comes, all right. Who was your favorite Disney? Wait, wait, wait. What was yours? What was well, yours? Who, who was I like, like, inexplicably afraid of? Cartoon. Cartoon character Disney afraid of. I'm just trying to run through all of them. I didn't like Ursula from The Little Mermaid. I haven't seen that. He was a troll. Didn't like it. Um, <laughs> Jafar. Like, <laughs> when I look back on all these people, the thing is, growing up, when I was a kid, like, I used to, I always used to watch these Disney films and I always just imagine these people as real. <laughs> so I always used to be like, oh my okay. God, like, why are you like this? Um, but then growing up, growing up, growing up, growing up, yeah. and, then, and then looking at them, I look at them and I laugh at them because I'm thinking to myself, you guys are like, the, you guys are the biggest ops out here between Jafar <laughs> between Scar Ursula all their Scar. people they were like Scar. they were they were ops but I think I was particularly scared of Shere Khan from the Jungle Book and ever since then I I've hated seen that. so the Jungle Book is really it's a really it's based on um Rudyard Kipling's kind of collection of stories of Jungle Book okay but, but, but Shere Khan is the, is the tiger um, try and watch ah. it if you have Disney Plus or you can find a way to watch anything yeah. Disney um, I'd say try <laughs> and watch that. that is like he is a very frightening character especially in the remake with Idris Elba 
Okay. I, I was okay. scared of this tiger. Really? I wasn't even. I was like, I'm, I have no intention of going to be near any tigers. <laughs> and I find tigers to be the worst kind of cats. They're the worst. They're actually, they're, just, they're, anyway, they're bad vibes. I just don't. Bad vibes. Bad vibes. I don't know why. I haven't got. I haven't got the energy for them to be honest. So, what was your first record, tape, or CD that you ever owned? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it was, it was, Samantha. Samantha Mumba, baby, come on over. Oh my yeah. God. Samantha Mumba. come on over tonight. <laughs> Oh, that song! That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. 2001? 2001. Yeah. See, those were the years. Mm. Those oh. were the years. Yeah. Oh. People will know by now that mine was um, Craig David. I want to do it, the album. Oh. That album? Timeless. Timeless. It Timeless. could be released today and... Still do it too. It was still do it too. And he was 17. Was he 17 when he did that? 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Want to mm-hmm. do it? Wow. Yeah. Imagine. Wow. What was I doing at imagine. 17, 18? Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I look at these people sometimes. Okay, so I'm okay, mad side note. I look at people like Burner Boy. <laughs> yeah. And Chronics, yeah. Like the singers. And, and I'm yeah. like, we are, this, uh, we are the same age. Like... <laughs> you guys are carrying yourself like big men. I'm, I'm a big man. <laughs> like... But someone, someone who is not doing the same thing you are might look at you and say the exact same thing. Exactly. For sure. And That's I'm like, how it always is. I'm like, how do you look at me? Like, what do you see? Because <laughs> I'm just trying to make it. <laughs> trying to make it. That's why I, I always say that I wish people saw themselves mm, the way other, other people, people see them, right? Yeah. That is amazing. I love that. That is important. That is important. <laughs> um, and a final question, just to answer mm-hmm. this statement. I live courageously when. Mm. I live courageously when I allow myself to be vulnerable. And as a dismissive avoidant, that's that's big. We haven't even gone to attachment types. Oh my god! Anyway, that's another conversation for another recording. I think that'll be a, a, a private conversation between you and I over tea. Oh my! God. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, thank you so much for joining me this week, Africa. Mm. I really appreciate you, and I appreciate you joining me. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Um, this was can, beautiful. Thank you. Where 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 can the people find you if you want to be found? <laughs> I always have to put that. I always have to put that in because I didn't know some people don't want to be found. Where can so people find good. you? So the only social media that I have at this time is Instagram. You can find me at Africa Brook. And if you are someone that wants to be a coach, or you want to know more about the world of coaching, or you want to know more about being a high-end coach, you can find my program on Instagram as well, at The Expansion Program, where I speak about pricing, I speak about mindset, I speak about money, I speak about creating your offer as a coach. So you can find me on those two spaces. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you so much for listening guys you can get in touch with me i'm only on two social platforms i'm on instagram at alex reads and vero which is a community-based platform vero.co 
forward slash Alex Reads. You can also send me an email if you wish, tttalkpod at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. You can catch this podcast on all of the places in all of the ways. Without further ado, have a great week and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Huge shout out today to Ryan Now over at Pure Creation Media who produces this show. Thank you so much for your undying and continued support. Thank you so much for all of you listeners and make sure that you reach out to me on Instagram at byalexholmes and Vero vero.co forward slash Alex Reads. Um, you can drop me an email at Alex Holmes, alex at alexholmes.co and just connect with me in any way that you see fit. Remember to go and pre-order my book over at alexholmes.co forward slash book and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and let people know that here is the place for compassionate conversation. Talk to you next week. Bye.